Earlier this week, we had the Seattle Kraken play their first game in NHL history. We're also going to make history on the Real Kipper <laughs> and Born Show right now as producer Sammy is going to have his first on-air read. Okay. Well, you know, I've been doing this for a few years now, and this is as nervous as I've been since my first show. So let's let's go here. <laughs> Good. All right, fellas. The Toronto Marlies are back, and we want to send you. The Marlies are playing the Manitoba Moose tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. in their first game at Coca-Cola Coliseum since May of 2020. What a great barn that is. Please keep in mind, each fan aged 12 and older must present proof of full COVID-19 vaccination along with government-issued ID at the entry gates to BMO Field. If you want to go, we are taking caller number three right now at one 888 416-870-0590 and star 590 on your cell phone to win a four-pack of tickets. If you're, not oh. the lucky, oh, if you're not the lucky winner but still want to join the action on Saturday, you can purchase your tickets at marleys.ca slash tickets. Wow. Are you done? Uh, a little wow. round of applause for myself yes, there, fellas. Yeah, that man. was flawless. I couldn't Salmon. be more. I couldn't be more happy with myself. And also, I want to tee something else up here before we get to Lawton. Uh, after we talk to Brian, uh, we're gonna do some texts. So you got your takes on the Leafs. You got whatever you want to do. Send them my way. I'll read them. Uh, if it's good, I'll read them. If it's bad, I'll read them. We'll have some fun. So send your texts and call in now. So there we go, fellas. How about that? I, I can't speak for JB on this, but let the record show. I will never read anything like that on this show. <laughs> ever. Ever. Uh, I, actually, I screwed up, boys. Uh, the, the text is 59590. If you want to text you know, to the show, I forgot to say the number. So text 59590. I screwed up all my goodwill. That That's you know not I mean? your, your vibe, Kipper? It's still way better than I would have done. JB, how about yeah. you? you would mean, you have I, ever taken a crack at that? I, I could handle it, but I, I think I prefer Sammy did such a good job. That's one of those things like where your mother asks you to like shovel the driveway and you do such a good job. She's like, now you can do it every time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> way to go, Sammy. You just won yourself a new chore. Or you can pay the kid next door 20 bucks <laughs> and then um, tell your mom still that you did it. <laughs> That's a nice hustle. I like, okay. I like your thinking. I wasn't Sammy, making the job, big bucks pal. like you were at the Greek restaurant. <laughs> Filling up those water glasses. Yeah. All right, we got Brian Lawton coming up. Uh, Sammy, you let us know when he's when he's good and ready here because uh, we're going to go around the league a little bit uh, tonight. Just three games on tap before the weekend uh, on Saturday. The Leafs, of course, right back at it uh, against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, a couple things that uh, you want to talk about. Dylan Larkin, Tampa Bay. Joseph runs him into the boards. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did it just come down? Larkin suspended one game. Was well, yeah, I didn't see if, if it happened, but I'm not What'd shocked you think by of it? that. You know, a lot of the way that they define dangerous hits involves force, and I didn't think it was an overly forceful hit by Joseph. Like, I understand why Larkin's mad. It was dangerous. He's justified at being upset. You probably shouldn't sucker punch the guy, the guy. But I didn't think the Joseph play itself was, I don't know, the worst thing I've ever seen. You? When you hit a guy, and, and we we've all been there, JB. When you hit a guy that's a little when it's suspect, yeah, your your antenna has to go up. Like, how does he not think that Larkin may not? Yeah, come gonna up come back and, at him. and clock him in the head. So, yeah. I come on, 
is that a match penalty? Like because you don't you you didn't think it was coming? Like is that Yeah. Is that okay? There is a ton of of instances I want wiped from the NHL and hitting from behind is one of them. You know, him going back and decking a guy with his glove on and no one gets hurt, ah, suspended for that. I'm a little surprised, to be honest. I'm surprised it's suspension from Peros. I, I know I know what the NHL is saying here. They're saying that when there's a hit, even if it is suspect, you just can't get up and hit an unsuspecting player. But I, I'm just I'm just asking, like, what, what would make you think that you could be unsuspecting when you hit a guy that hard and that yeah. questionable and that's that that's it's coming the whole building knew it was coming how does joseph not well, know maybe he did too maybe he knew it was coming too and he's given it the old you know the, the old penalty draw the michael bunting where you go oh i did not anticipate being struck struck in the face by an angry hockey player the uh the bunting thing came true by the way the uh drew another one the, uh, and and I, I, you just loved the emotion that he pulled out of the Ottawa Senators. And I think it was Formington that, that was ready to go at him. And then Chris Turney goes in there. Turney, Chris Turney goes in there and, yeah. and, and lassoes him. And now that's you're great. going, that's a good job by bunting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it is, an art. It's, it is an art. Uh and uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep trying for Brian Lawton, um, but in the meantime, clearly, that's the type of emotion that you can draw out of teams that we haven't necessarily seen in quite a while. Kadri was mm-hmm. one of those guys that drew a lot of penalties over the years, but maybe a few of those players uh, far and few the last few years for the Leafs. Is there anyone else that comes to mind that, that had that ability? Komarov made people mad. You know, Kasperi Kapanen had like one-eighth of that, but no, not really. Not like this. Now, Bunting doesn't fight, does he? I don't I don't feel like I know enough about that to comment on it, but I am curious to see. Like, once at certain points, I think crazy. he's going to have to drop his gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. If he keeps playing the way he does. But again, this is 2021, man. You don't have to... You don't have to fight. Even if someone came after you, you dr- drop your gloves and wrestle with a guy and yeah. your job's still done. I guess. Actually there's no, no, there's no sense that you, like. he's the one guy that doesn't have to knock anybody out. All he has to do is just not back down, I think, yeah. in, in certain instances. But uh, certainly he's done everything that Kyle Dubas said he could do. No yeah. question. And He's had a couple of good looks in, in the yeah. two games, and he's always hanging around the net. And to our earlier conversation about a forecheck, he can create a forecheck. He can he can come up with loose pucks, and he can keep plays alive. He's got a very active mm-hmm. stick. Yeah, and you know what? I think he's a good skater too. Like he made the nice play to earn himself a breakaway, uh, and actually a good shot, nice save by Anton Forsberg. I liked his play there. There was one where Sandine found him, kind of back door that Forsberg robbed him. So he's been he's been really good. If he plays like that, he's going to get points. Uh, he he did actually have an assist on uh, on the Nylander goal. Uh, one of the, or sorry, on the Engvall goal. So he's on the board for the club. And, and again, I think this is a guy that, you know, of all the new guys you're probably most impressed with, 
I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think uh, now the question is, can he work himself up in the lineup? Uh, would you start thinking about giving him a, a spot maybe uh, tomorrow night that uh, while you wait for Austin Matthews? Yeah, give him a bigger would, would you role give him somehow. Different role, maybe back off Richie a little bit. Well, that's I think that's the question you're left with is like, okay, you're happy with bunting in the top six. You're happy with, um, you know, with Camp and Cash on the third line. Richie's the guy right now for me where you look at your lineup and say, okay, we got to find someone. We got to find a way to uh, to fill that void because it's just been non-existent. You hate to be this guy, but like, is Richie going to fight someone if he doesn't do something soon? Like, the offense isn't there. You can't just you can't just yeah, but do nothing. Know, it, it can't. It's almost like, uh, you know, if you go back to Felino on Corey Perry in the first round, it just can't be a fight. Just to, it has to fit into the game. It has to have, uh, there has to be a flow. There has to be some passion behind it that has to do with the game. It's just not about Nick Ritchie going, oh, I I haven't been noticed in two games. I got to go drop my gloves and fight. Yeah. And no, no, I that's, get that. I get th- that. Th- those were the issues in the past. They were called stage fighting, and it kind of pissed me off that people just never been on the ice, never experienced anything in their life, and they just got the – they're all pros at reading when's a fight a fight, and you have no idea of maybe what was said on the ice, in warm-up, paybacks, you know, long memories. All yeah. of that can come into play. But the perception is that – when nobody notices us for a week, we go and fight each other so we can get on a highlight reel somewhere uh, on the internet. And and those right. days so are over. That's not it for Richie. That's not it for Richie. Richie's gonna have to go out there, and and drop draw his own emotion. Don't wait. You know, Dom said it. Don't be uh, be proactive, not reactive. Go out there and initiate. And yep. you know, last night Wayne Simmons again. Uh, I think I saw him in the third period get into a real scrum in front of the net. I need that five minutes in, seven minutes in, where it could say, where you make the opposition go, oh, it's going to be a a long night against Wayne Simmons. This guy's coming after me. He's going to four-check hard. And uh, if I I piss him off, he may take a a punch at me. So I got to watch out for this guy. For sure. Not not something that, that needs to wait in the third period. That makes some sense to me. Um, we can, I think we can turn the page. You want to do uh, contracts, a couple of big contracts signed around the NHL. Uh, Charlie McAvoy signed an eight-year deal at $9.5 million AAV for the Boston Bruins, a team that doesn't give big tickets. The the top line there, Pasternak, Marchand, and, and Bergeron, none of those guys are making much money. What were your initial thoughts to seeing Charlie McAvoy uh, land land the big one there for the Boston Bruins? My my initial thought is uh, when I come back in my new life, I want to be a defenseman. <laughs> you love the deals they're getting, eh? Okay, wh- this market absolutely blew up. What happened? It's a flat for, cap. It wasn't supposed to. For defensemen. And I am really surprised at this number. Not so much Charlie McAvoy. But it's the Boston Bruins. You talk to anybody in this organization and squeezing 
a dollar out of them is a very difficult thing to do. Like, just take a look at their pay scale now, JB, and yeah, how they were now. able to keep Pasternak down, uh, Bergeron down, Marchand down. They're, those contracts have been – there's general managers around the league going, wow, how have you been able to manage those? And then you you look at Charlie McAvoy, and it's like the complete opposite of, of what they've been about. I yeah. just – for me, it, it's it's a huge number that he got to very easily, which shocks me for the Boston Bruins. Nine point five. It does, uh, you know. But at some point, if I'm a player, like your own team is not your comparables. The league is your comparables. I'm looking at the houses, you know, in my neighborhood, not just the ones on my street here. Uh, and I think it's really tough to look around the league and not say that McAvoy is not worth that. Now, I've talked to people who say but he doesn't get points. He's a 30-point defenseman. I don't care. He doesn't juice up his stats with power play points, but he gets a lot at even strength. He gets the bulk of his at even strength, and he's one of the best five-on-five defensemen in the NHL. You're buying the best years of his career. It just feels like a contract to me that maybe you never look at it and say it's a steal, but I don't think they're not going to get value out of a guy like McAvoy, the energy he brings. I agree, but if I'm going to use your house analogy... The key is to forecast that the housing is going to get really expensive yeah. and buy a house before. Before. <laughs> before. So not and what I did in 2020? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, 2021? <laughs> so here you are, and you ended up giving him a bridge deal. And it was a mistake. Right. He's coming off a bridge deal, and I'm – Maybe, Sammy, we can get him to, to look at that bridge deal. But if they were really smart, they would have forgone, forgo the, 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 the bridge deal and they should have jumped on a seven- or eight-year deal for him. And it's just about the timing thing. And I don't need to mention that to, to Leaf fans, uh, what they've seen with their salary cap. But if they would have had McAvoy three years ago off – a bridge contract, and this is where you got to give the Ottawa Senators uh, a little bit of credit here. Yeah. And, and we'll find out for sure in a few years whether it was the right decision or not. But if they would have signed McAvoy to, I think at the time they could have got him for seven, seven, seven times seven. Seven by seven? Yes. Really? Because it would have, it would have, or seven and a half maybe would have mm. still been better, but you would have been. You would have been two less. And if you would have somehow got him on a seven-year deal instead of a bridge deal, you'd still have him for five years at seven or seven and a half. That's yeah. a big difference between that number and the nine and a half you got to start next season. You can get a mighty fine player for two mil. He signed right? He signed on September 15th, 2019, a three-year bridge contract at 4.9 per. That 4.9. Yeah. So four point nine per. I think you could have talked him into a seven times seven there. I really do. So this is the debate I had with someone. You know, a lot of big deals have been signed for young guys. Brady Kachuk just signed. I know we're going to get into that. Uh, Patterson, Hughes. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of these young players making a lot of money for a lot of years. But this is the idea, right, Kipper? Exactly what you're talking about. You want to get these guys for eight million dollars before they're worth ten. 
And I think inevitably that would have happened to some of these guys. The, the maybe the most prime example is PK Subban's bridge deal, taking him, you know, him winning a Norris on his bridge, and he's still eating off that Norris contract, you know, the contract he got after the Norris, right? And so, and again, the, you you could have bumped it up a, a little bit more in Montreal and and got him a lot less than than the nine that he got. Yeah, but it's a forecast thing, and if you, you know, Matthews and Marner were not supposed to have their contracts come up at the same time. They weren't in the same draft year. Yeah. So what happened? Well, Marner got sent back. Mitch Marner getting sent back. They thought they were saving a year off burning off of his contract. It ended up being the biggest disaster for them because if Mitch actually would have burned a first year off his contract even if he gave him 10 games, 11 games, his contract would have been up for renegotiation a year earlier. And you could have probably had him on a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. He, he could have still been on a year, uh, on a contract that made a, might have paid him now six, five and a half. You know, mm. It's a really interesting so, Sorry, guys. About... <laughs> sorry for bringing that up, but it's true. If you really, if you really when the guest doesn't back, pick up, we get sadness. If you really guess, go right? back, the, 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 the big, uh, you know, I've talked about the, what the Tavares contract did to all of it, but the other one that nobody talks about is that if you could have had them one year apart, you could have avoided a disaster of overpaying. What difference would that have made? I'm asking. Marner, Mar- Marner would have needed a new contract before Matthews, and yeah. he would have signed maybe a bridge deal or a long. You could have tied him up for coming out of his entry contract. If it was up a yeah. year earlier, you could have offered him a seven or eight year deal at at five, five and a half, six, eight years. You know, everyone and, talks. And he about... would have bit, and he would have bit on it. Yeah, everyone talks about preserving those entry-level years, and you know you want to get value on those entry-level years and have a contributor on those. You know you don't want them to get to ten games. If you truly believe in the player, you want to start that clock, and then you want to say, "Here, let's go seven years, let's go eight years." You know, I don't think a lot of guys would do it, but even if you can go more than, you know, go five, six years, whatever, you're you're a lot better off. It is a different way to look at the guys you truly believe in for prospects. So the, the, the Kachuk, then, are we good on McAvoy? Should we turn the page to Kachuk? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, great energy for the Ottawa fans. And when you think yeah. about the hell they've been through over the years and, know. you know, the, the Eugene Melnick and uh, the billboards and all of that, uh, there was a real sense last night that there is really good energy in Ottawa. And That's weird to hear. Having... Having Brady up there come out, pumping up the fans, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for Ottawa. It's a good thing for the Battle of Ontario. It's a good thing for the National Hockey League. Yeah, it is. He still feels like such a kid to me. I feel like because I saw him in an inter- interview with Matthew and his dad, and they kept like referring to him as like, you know, he's still a boy. Like he's just such a little kid. He's a big person, but he seems like a little kid to me. He has a lot of fun with it, a lot of great energy. The biggest thing is just locking it up so other people, other players know that he's going to be there in Ottawa. That's what gets other players to stay and gets other players believing in what's going on there. I also... I got to say, huge believer in the player. 
you know, I tweeted uh, how positively I feel about the deal, and I got some DMs from people being like, "Yes, yeah, this guy's, you know, what's he had a fifty-point season?" I, no. I don't care. I don't 45. care. Forty-five. Uh, Forty-five. Sure. I don't <laughs> care. I, I think he's going to be a guy who scores seventy points. He makes people completely mental. He parks in front of the net. You know, everyone talks. The big quote is dragging people into the fight. I love his game. I think he's worth eight point two immediately. Yeah. See, I, I I like him a lot too, and uh, yeah. I just I, I just don't know. I'm not sure he's going to be a seventy point guy. Maybe he's fifty. And no if he way. is. I'm I just think saying. he's like a, he could be a forty goal guy. No, okay, thirty, right. thirty-five. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But if if you look at sheer numbers, it's going to be hard for him, I think, to to support that contract. And you you mentioned the intangibles, so I, I get all of that. But his numbers so far do not support eight point two. And while, you know, we can rip on the Mitch Marner contract all you want, his numbers support 10.9. Mm-hmm. You know what and has changed? That, it, may, it, may, it may be tough for him. Uh, you know, 45 points his first season, 44 the second season, and then last year I think he had 17 goals in 56 games, which hopefully, you know, ends up being... Like 30, in the ballpark of average. 50, 60 points, but he's gonna have to he's gonna have to battle really, really hard to live up to this contract. And and there are three big years. In the third year, it jumps to ten point five, ten point five, ten point five, and Eugene Melnick doesn't like to spend money. He's doing it, but we know he doesn't like to. Yeah, and that's that's a big number. For a guy, hopefully, that scores more than 55 points. (laughs) You would think so. You know what's changed is your generation got paid for what you had done in the league, and a lot of guys got paid at the back half of their careers, right? You didn't get paid for a long time. You put up numbers and proved you could do it, and then you got paid. Players now, because of what you're talking about, about how you're trying to pay them before they do it, so you're getting them under value. Guys are getting paid for what they might do more than ever before, which is going to lead to bad contracts and deals we go, how is Suzuki making seven, eight, five, you know, or whatever the person, whoever it may be. There's going to be bad ones in the process while teams try to hunt for the cheap deal. But it is different where it's not basically what have you done, it's what do we expect you to do. And there are no guarantees anymore. When, when Jack Eichel signed his eighty million times eight, it was just a lock that this guy was going to be the face of their franchise for eight years. Yep. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. And look how ugly that got. That's a great example. Okay. And while. You assume that Brady Kachuk isn't going anywhere. And it's so funny, too, because this was all about Ottawa getting him on a long-term deal. They wanted nothing to do 
with a short-term deal. And why left. is that, JB? <laughs> he would have left. He wouldn't exactly. have been here in three years. You know, and what is that saying about your organization? Lots. When, when, when you're saying, well, we don't want to give you a three-year contract because you're going to leave us. Right, it's not confident. So that's for we, sure. We got a, abandonment issues here. You're gonna leave <laughs> us. We don't want. Well, no, yeah, I, I want to leave you. And here's here's what teams now have to realize: whether or not you got a seven or eight year deal, these guys are now in a position to say, "I'm. If I don't like it, if I don't think management's doing what I think that they're doing, or you're not looking after uh, my best interests of winning a championship." I'm packing up and leaving. I don't care if I got a seven or eight year deal. I think, love it. It's the NBA. Think, think uh, Eichel cares that he's got five more years on his contract. Bye bye. See you later. I'm the done. Era of player empowerment. So, Kipper. so I think now that you know Ottawa shouldn't feel safe now that they've got him for seven more years. Take a look around the league. Mm-hmm. Look at Jack Eichel. And I'm telling you right now, if Brady Kachuk feels like he's not going to get his best chance to win, I don't think he'd stick around for all seven. I love that. I'm great. That's you know, this is it, it makes for a lot more entertaining viewing. I you know, I've been frustrated over the years watching great players stuck in on poor teams, and you know, I I would say the most trouble I got in on the radio was uh, an answer to a question of do I think Connor McDavid wants out of Edmonton? It was after they got eliminated from playoffs two years ago. And oh, I, I think said, I remember that. You got yeah, killed. I got killed. I ain't gonna lie, I'm getting cooked. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> it was I was like, I bet he does want out. I bet when he goes home he's like, God, I'd like to play somewhere else. He's competitive. I I just believe that's a competitive instinct in players. Uh, you know, fortunately he's a guy who stuck it out and had the big deal and decided it was best not to do that yet. But I bet eventually he'd have lost his mind. It's, it's, it's been out there for a little while that, you know, you're absolutely right behind the scenes. There, there are conversations that uh, how long will, will Connor want to stick around if it doesn't turn around in Edmonton? That that's been going on for a couple of years now. Yeah, no, I know it's because he's competitive and you can't waste your whole career. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I'm happy that there seems to be this movement of people saying, I'm not just going to rot in Ottawa if we're not going to be competitive. Maybe, maybe Kachuk, you know, hopefully he's the guy who turns it around so they don't rot, so that people stay there and they end up being really good. That's the hope, and I think it is possible. Should we do text? Should we do text now? You want to do a couple texts, Sammy, or are we going to have yeah. a conversation, a quick conversation on what Toronto Maple Leaf fans are thinking when they watch the Buffalo Sabres have their way with the Montreal Canadians. Oh. And, uh, and I was so locked their in. Team I was so locked into the Leafs. Struggled. I didn't see a second of that game, but boy, it couldn't have been good. 5-1 to the Sabres. That's not the way you want to start the year 0-2. But we got a good text here about the conversation you guys are just having about the long-term deals. Phil Kessel did the same thing. Signed seven years, lasted two years before heading to Pittsburgh. So it's another, you know, more local example of that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the big issue with with Phil in Toronto was that it was one of the earliest moves of Brian Burke's uh, tenure with the with the Leafs, and everybody expected him to come in and, and be a star and and be a guy that uh, that you start building around. And I don't think Berkey had any attention of of that, but everybody else did, and he's just not that guy. 
He will always be one of those complimentary guys that just finds a way to score. And when it's over, go to Sid, go to Gino, go to Latang, go to go anywhere but me. Yeah. And that's the way he works. And there's a, there should be one or two of those guys on every team. That's the way I see Nylander right now. Yeah. But Kessel, in their playoff run, when they went to the final the first year and won with him, he was the borderline Conn Smythe guy for them. He was amazing with on the on the. And as but, soon as the pressure was, exactly, and I was going to say, as soon as the pressure was taken off of him to not have to be the go-to guy, he flourished, right? And he was just miscast here. C- correct me if I'm wrong too, but you know, didn't he have runs where he was not with Sid? We're not with Gino and 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 thrived with a guy like Benino. Yeah, it was and, Benino, right? Mm-hmm. Third line, so kind of static. Line, Benino and, and Kessel. Oh yeah, there you go. So again, it's just one of those guys where if he's not maybe facing the top two defensemen, can find a way to to be that game breaker. Everybody Joe's, needs one of those, and he Joe's was been that guy. Perfect and miscast. Taylor Hall has been miscast as the guy all along. Great if example. He could, if he could have been in Phil Kessel's shoes on a team like that Pittsburgh team, if he, you know, he's trying to put himself in that position now in Boston. It's the first time, though, in a long time he hasn't been the guy, whether it's yes. Buffalo, Arizona, New Jersey, Edmonton. They've been, you're the guy. He ain't the guy. But he's a great winning, player. Winning the MVP was the worst thing that happened to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Just like, okay, here's hey, the pressure. It? Yeah, carry our franchise, will you? Can't can't do it. And this, uh, you know, to say that someone can't carry a franchise is not a knock. It is just an observation that you're not one of the twenty best humans on earth, or whatever the number is of people who can actually do that. All right, and we'll probably see him at some point in a new uniform, and there'd be a lot of teams thinking that he could be a difference maker for them this season uh, in a in a Stanley Cup push. Oof. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he'll be okay. he'll be in a new new uniform before the end of the year. Hold on. Who? Whoa. Who? Who? Taylor Hall. No. Phil Kessel. Kessel. Okay. Oh. Okay. 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 Calm right. down, guys. Calm like, down. <laughs> um, Listen. <laughs> Taylor Hall's been on like a million teams in the last two years. That that's enough. Yeah. It stops right now. Yeah, he's not Mike Sillinger. Okay. So this, All right. This is, got, a, this is interesting and a. Uh, a comparison that I would never have thought of. The Kessel teams, okay, I guess we're going down that road on a Friday. It's the, Kessel Day. The Kessel team also had an overpaid defenseman. He had number one reason, uh, number one minutes, and the reasoning to paying him was ludicrous for simply that. Everyone knew full well he would not be a number one on any other team. This is very similar to the Morgan Riley situation. They're talking Latang? No, they're talking, no, they're talking, um, they're talking about Benoff on the Leafs. Oh, okay. Well, Defin- yeah, again, uh, Dion Phaneuf came in with the tag of being a number one defenseman, which he was not. And if you watched Calgary in the last year that he was there, there were times when he was he was struggling there too. Uh, not to say that he wasn't a, a, a serviceable guy, but not not in the conversation like early in his career where you you thought this guy may end up winning a Norris or two. That that was the that was the feeling early in his career. I think he scored 15 17 goals in those first few years in in Calgary and rocking everybody 
with open ice hits, but just kind of settled in where he was a good serviceable defenseman, but nowhere near the tag of being a star NHL defenseman. It's funny. You tell that me if people... I'm wrong. No, no, no. It's just funny that people don't acknowledge the tier of hockey players. That's not the elite, elite, best in the league and good. Like there's this Morgan Riley, Phil Kessel. I don't know if Dion Phaneuf's in that. That's maybe a bit complimentary for Phaneuf. But there's there's another tier of player here, which are obviously fantastic players, but just not, uh, you know, the guy. As long as Pierre Engvall is being spoken as part of, as, as oh, sorry, here. Let me start that one again, okay, fellas? I, I got all my good reading out on that on that uh, that Marley's You're read. Back. All right. As long as Pierre Engvall is being spoken about as relevant to this lease lineup, will remain irrelevant in the cup chase. Marty C. from Newmarket. Ouch. Boys, that's a harsh one. Reading mean tweets, reading mean texts here. Just keep them I, away from me and JB, that's all. Like, <laughs> Bury those ones where they're ripping us. The... You know, I'd love to go through the Stanley Cup champions over the past decade and find who you think the worst forward is on those teams. I got to believe Pierre, Pierre Engvall is as good as that guy. Whoever the worst forward is on, I don't know, the, the, the Capitals or the St. Louis Blues who won it recently. So I don't agree with that. It's just, you know, you don't want to have him in a huge role maybe, but boy, I, I think you can have him on the team somewhere. Yeah. I would agree with that. Like, I think, you know, you need however many guys to kind of contribute to a cup-winning team. I think Engvall can contribute, but just not a lot of minutes. And again, he's, what, 25 years of age? So at a certain point, you got to really feel as an organization, you you know what you're going to get out of certain guys, and you don't really want to ask more of them. And there are flashes of Engvall maybe being the guy that they think that they have. And then there's instances last night where, you know, the pilot light goes out. So yeah. you've got, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's a saying for us is you're only as good as they want you to be, or, uh, you know, don't put, put me in a position to succeed, not fail. And I think, I think they got to really understand what they have with him or what they want him to develop into. But time's running out. This team has to win now. We know that they have to do it now. And continuing to wait to see what you have is going to be awfully tough for Kyle Dubas this season. Uh, here's one from a, a very Toronto Maple Leafs fan text here. Johnny from Toronto. Love it. Curtis Gabriel should be on the roster right now. He's a difference ma- maker. Simmons can't handle it. So... Think he makes a difference on the fourth line, or is it looking exactly the same? Love that tweet. I, it's a stretch to say that he's a difference maker right now, but I think he'd have a better idea of what his role would be than Wayne Simmons would know right now. And or how about Amadio? Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons. Well, listen, Amadio's still new, and he he's not even sure what he is. But Wayne Simmons is a guy right now who had amazing success four or five years ago, guys. Like how long when we were talking about Wayne Simmons being a prototypical power forward and one of the top guys on a power play. Yeah. Like those awesome, days awesome are long gone. So Wayne Simmons right now 
has to reestablish himself in a role. Like Spets has done it. I'm going to play 12, 13 minutes. I'm going to get spot duty, and I'm going to make the most out of that when I get it. Wayne has to do the same thing, but it's not going to be the power play, and it might not be a, a, a key face-off, but it has to be in the scope of a fourth-line energy guy. The thing is, no one wants to be a fighter at the end of their career, right? Like, Wayne Simmons doesn't want to become a guy who has to go out and fight to be relevant at this point of his career. When I watched him fight Sabrin in the preseason, that guy can still fight. Oh, he and, can fight. And, and, and not only that. He want to. Yes. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, uh, you can't fake that, JB. I, I saw a guy fight Sabrin, and in that moment, that guy had the it factor to do that. For him, it's just getting there. And that's the last resort. The first resort should be looking at guys going, I'll go there right now if I need to. But that needs to be said in the first five or seven minutes. It can't be at the end of the game when we haven't noticed you for two hours. And if Wayne can do that on a more consistent basis, he's got a spot and he's got a, a role. But right now, he has not established any role on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's hard. It's just not fast enough to forecheck for me right now. You know what? I, I'm, I'm watched last night, Okay. It's not that he's not fast enough. Okay. It's his route. Go take a look at his slashing penalty. And he's, he's in front of the net, and it's Shabbat in the corner. And for whatever reason, he wants to now go below the goal line. And Shabbat simply goes the other way, and now he's chasing him and reaching in. If he would have just gone in a straight line to cut him off, ahead you won't believe how much quicker he would have looked yeah it's the old Wayne it's Gretzky a, it's go a, it's where it's going not where it is just yes exactly for checking okay it's just not you don't have to be the fastest guy but you have to be the smartest guy and you have to get you have to anticipate where the play is and the percentages of where you think the puck may get to and how quickly can you read off of a of, of a first four checker to be the second F two, mm. like it's it, it's four checking is just not guys running around. There's there's a science behind it, and usually it's picking the shortest point between two uh, two spots, right? The straight yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. And watch Simmons on his penalty. It's it's not because he's not fast enough. It's because he took the wrong route. Yeah. We well, I just I don't know if that's going to change as all Kipper. Like mm. I understand that it's you know it, it, it's the case, and I don't disagree. It's just like he's been doing it his whole career. If he doesn't have it by now, that fourth line is a bit of a concern, and and he is is one of the reasons for concern. I, Sam, I, you got more? I got a great text here, guys, that we're going to love. Right. I hate to say it, but this is the best hockey show on the radio. Well done, guys, from Dirk and Oakville. I don't know why you hate to say that, but you don't have to hate to say that. So, you know, 
No mean tweets about us. No mean texts. Just a little pat on Sorry, the back. Stop getting your buddies to text. Uh, Let's get I don't know a Dirk, okay? Ones. No, okay. Dirk. Uh, yes, uh, I get a lot of that, uh, you know, from, from Kipper. I, you know, I don't know about Kipper, but it, turn, it turns out it's a great show. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Pete Noshua, the skate kicking motion is brutal. Can, say you can use your skate or you can't. One or the other. Okay, say that you can. <laughs> You're, it's green still light. an art. The, yeah. the object is to... To put the puck in the net. So you're telling me now it can it can redirect off my shin pad. It can go off my ass. Arm, but shoulder, I neck. can't take it off of my skate blade. I, I, I don't think there can be any intention with the skate. That's what it should come down to. I don't think you should be able to turn your skate and do it. I don't think Why? you should be able to. Because, I mean, it, it's just because it creates too much gray area. If it hits your skate and goes in the net, it doesn't count. Done. I'll go the complete opposite on that. Let's just swing away. Oh, Let's, soccer. Uh, just soccer. soccer hockey. You're Let's allowed to Ronaldo kick. Ronaldo it from midfield <laughs> from a kick. Slotten. Uh, so, Davies so is the I next can, superstar in hockey then. I, I, can, I can kick a puck up to my teammate on a breakout, but I can't, I can't put it over the goal line. Why? Yeah, it's like it's got to be like soccer. Either you can't use your you can't use your hands in soccer, you can't use your feet in hockey. If you can, then let us you use. You gotta our feet. let it go, Sammy. I guess. I guess you want goals going in the net, and you don't want to take away goals. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for text today, boys. What are we thinking for tomorrow night? Gonna start on time? We're gonna have a start on time tomorrow night, or what? What do you think, Babcock? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> JB, uh, what are you expecting tomorrow night? The the. the Three's expect, the charm, isn't it? Three's the charm. Yeah. So I expect a, a much better, a much more prepared Toronto Maple Leafs team. Um, you know, we saw them take control of a hockey game. I think they know they can do it against the Senators team. The one thing that you know from Ottawa last year is you can't take any game for granted because you know what they have? Youthful ignorance. They don't know they're supposed to lose. They're not willing to go quietly into the night. They're going to show up and they're going to try. You know what it reminds me of? Playing, but my friends and I in, in high school were had a a ball hockey team and we were all very good hockey players but there was a team of kids who tried so damn hard and we hated playing them and they were a bunch of losers and they you know they once every once in a while they'd beat us just because they tried harder that's the senators uh, to me our uh, my beer league <laughs> team has reached that age too. one of them if you speared one of them <laughs> yeah. early yeah. You, you set the been tone fine. eh <laughs> set the tone all right I gotta, that, oh, that's it with the sense no go ahead sam i gotta read this text because he's calling me out he says Bet you won't read this. Ask yourself, Sammy, would you be complaining if the Leafs won that game? Yes. You don't know me very well. Yes. I think it's a fair point. I think this show is completely seen through the lens of a loss and not through the context of the hockey. Wow. What do you think, Kip? In two games, have you seen anything remotely to playoff winning hockey? No. No. Thank you. Willie Nylander. Let's just move on. (laughs) <laughs> nothing nothing more to see here, folks. Yeah, I guess the point is if I think they should have beat Ottawa 80, last night, and they should have, is that good games, enough? 82 yeah. games is your dress rehearsal for the real season. And so far, more practice. More practice. Yeah. So start Saturday night. There's your third dress rehearsal. 
Start on time. Just make it a little better. Better start. Jack Campbell's going. Willie Nylander's going. More guys needed to get going Saturday night. Otherwise, Curtis Gabriel's coming to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be excited about that. Yeah, no question. It'd be fun. I, 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 I think about putting him in the lineup Saturday night. I need a change of pace, but need some fresh blood already in game three. Make it, for it crystal Bring clear. Don't get the job done. There's others here that will be willing to try. Good week, guys. Appreciate it. Derek, Sam, JB, fun week. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And we'll see you Monday on Real Kipper and Bourne.